When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Easter Sunday, and I thought it would be a great day to bring on one of my favorite people to talk about the importance of this holiday. She is the host of Fox News Sunday and chief legal correspondent here at the Fox News Channel. She's also a number one New York Times bestselling author of the trilogy series, Stories of the Bible Speak. The latest is called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. She's also one of my best friends and has a guest room in her house named the Janice Dean Suite. So please welcome the lady who I enjoy having pajama parties with, Shannon Bream. Woo-hoo, Janice Dean. We should be doing this in person. I, I love it when we get to do podcasts in person, but I'll take it. It's okay. I know I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks and we're going to post oh, everything yeah. on social media. Okay, good. We've got plans. (laughs) Hashtag stay tuned. And so, Shannon, before I go visit her in D.C. and visit my uh, Janice Dean suite, she always asks me what kind of snacks I want. I mean, my husband doesn't do that. Well, he probably knows. (laughs) Maybe he knows her snacks. But you know what? When you ask me what kind of snacks I want, then I go like... I go back to the snack archive of salt mm-hmm. and vinegar chips oh, yeah. and peanut butter uh, and jelly for my little sandwich in the morning. Love and then it. you make the best coffees. You have like a whole system, a barista system. I in do. The Shannon Bream. Oh, yes. Yes. I've got this resume and everything. But don't forget when we found those things, those donkey dunk things. <gasps> the Remember donkey those? dunks. <laughs> <laughs> the Donkey Dunks. What were they? They were they were little cookies, but they come in a container with frosting, as if you need to make it any worse. So then you dunk the cookies into the frosting as you eat them. I'm like, this is like diabetes in a single pack. Do they still make the Donkey Dunks? Oh yes, we're gonna go get. Oh some. really? I don't. Think I'll have your room stocked with the Donkey Dunks. <laughs> that's not exactly what they're called. I don't know what they're called. No, no, no. Just... But that's what we've called them because they're Donkey Dunks. Right. I mean, how can you get any better than that? A delicious cookie then covered in sugar and frosting. And it's all neatly packaged for you. You don't even have to make the effort to like walk to the pantry, open a separate container of frosting. It's all there in one place. You just need to bring the milk. Yeah. Or the coffee. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so you've got my order for the next couple of weeks. Um, It is Easter Sunday, and I thought this was a great time to bring you on. Uh, You know, obviously, this is a very significant holiday for Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, You tell me about your thoughts about Easter Sunday. I mean, to me, it's the most hopeful thing if your faith is, you know, based in Christianity, because Friday, Good Friday that we, you know, celebrated first is so painful to think about this, you know, God, we believe came down in human form to save us from everything we needed saving from and laid down his own life, Mm -hmm. knowing what he was going to walk through. And then Easter is overcoming all of that. Like he's overcome death and sin and destruction and punishment and the evil one. And so I just have so many great memories of Easter growing up. Like it was 
was such an important holiday for us, and it still is. I mean, whether or not you, you know, do Easter baskets, we did that too, but we were always at church for the sunrise service. And my grandmother, um, who always wore hats to church and did like the really dressy, formal, fun thing, um, her favorite hymn was, <laughs> I can hear her singing it, the whole, up from the grave he arose. And she would just sing at the top of her lungs, and it was just such a joyful thing, like, it's the hope. It's always mm-hmm. springtime. It's new life. It's overcoming all the evil in the world. And who doesn't need that message right now? It's so true. I feel that. I feel, especially with the news cycle, and I know yeah. that you're, you know, you have to cover this. And so it's nice to have something to fall back on uh, that mm-hmm. reminds us that there is hope. Yeah. And, and to me, like, yes, you know, we cover these things. Um, you've covered all kinds of things, but often you're covering the destruction of these horrible tornadoes and storms that have been ripping across the country in the early spring. Um, and I, you know, have covered um, fires and, you know, tragedies and shootings and, you know, all of these things. And they can weigh very heavily on on you. And they, they showed we're humans. We are going to experience emotions and we're going to grieve for other people, whether we're personally connected to this or not. It's just traumatic. I I mean, to your spirit. So for me, if I didn't have my faith outside of that, I'm not sure how I would cope with some of that. I mean, there are some things, and you probably could tell the story too. There, we compartmentalize a lot because we have jobs to do and we got to keep it together. Um, but there are stories here and there where I go home and just have a good cry. Mm. I mean, it's just hard. But then I, I always have to remember, listen, this world is imperfect. It's broken. It's fallen. But to me, there's a greater hope beyond that. And to know that there's someone greater in control of everything. Um, and that at the end of the day, good triumphs over evil. Mm-hmm. It's hard to remember that sometimes. Yep, it is. I mean, and, and and you know, we all have questions. And I think God is completely capable of handling our frustrations, our anger, our questions. Like, how could this happen? Why does this happen? Um you know, we see that all through the Psalms, especially there's a lot of searching and there's a lot of sorrow, like, God, where are you? How can this happen? Um, And often the psalmist remembers, like, let me remember the times that you have brought me through tragedy, that you have walked me through that, you know, the valley of the shadow of death and all of these things, like you never went anywhere. Your goodness was still there. Your faithfulness was still there. And sometimes we're going to have to walk through very dark things. Mm -hmm. What do you tell people? I know that, you know, this Easter Sunday is going to be difficult for, you know, we, my husband lost his parents around this mm-hmm. time of year, especially, you know, his mom. The last thing she requested Sean to do is buy Easter gifts for the kids and put her name on it. This mm-hmm. was after she lost her husband. Um, and it's three years um, this coming weekend. And it's really tough, you know, these mm-hmm. anniversaries. What do you tell people that really that need to hear um, a message of hope? Yeah. And I think for you guys, I'm sure sometimes it seems like a million years and sometimes it seems like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, walking through this tragedy, you're going to have different waves of grief and special anniversaries and things are going to hit you and remind you. And um, I'm that way, too, like with my dad's birthday and um, April, you know, marks when my father died suddenly. Like, I think there are just really difficult things. Um, one of the things, especially with my father, is I remember um, the good things, the the ways that he made us laugh, the ways that he was always kind of optimistic, even the worst circumstances, um, the way that he urged us to live our lives. And my grandmother, who passed away a couple years ago during COVID, who um, was like, you know, don't wait, take that trip. 
um, go see that person, do these things and live your life. Like I, I think back on them and think about what they would want us to do. I don't think they'd want us to grieve. Mm-hmm. I think they know that they would grieve for us just like we grieve for them. But um, to remember how they would want us to live our lives and to to have the hope that we will be with them again. Um, and that to me is the greatest hope um, to know that I will see my dad and my grandmother and they're together now with my uncle and my aunt and um, just to have that hope of being reunited. Mm-hmm. How do you think of death? I mean, you know, we're in our 50s, looking good, by the what? way. What? Past our prime? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, can we talk about that for just a it's moment? It's just time to retire and go to the nursing home, Janice. We both know that. <laughs> let's, let's, let's take a detour. When you heard that, what did you think? I was like, oh, wow, he's going to wish he hadn't said that. (laughs) He's going to want to take that back because it just seems so misplaced. I mean, it's not like he's 20. I mean, he's, you know, up there, too. But it just seems so foolish and silly. Like, would you ever say that about a man? No. You just wouldn't. I mean, it's just funny. I think that people are much more wise. You're much more mature. You have much better control of your emotions and you have experience and intellectual experience. So to me... I mean, do I want to put on a bikini at this point? No. <laughs> but is my brain firing on all cylinders? Yes. I so, do. I feel the 50s have so, so far been the best years because yeah. you have that experience. You're confident. You're, you know, you're yeah. still spry. You're still spry. firing on all <laughs> cylinders. I think so. Right. I um, think so, too. And, and you also care less about what other people think. Correct. It's a very good place to be. Not that you're going to be insensitive to people, but like, you know, if somebody on Twitter is like, you are fat and dumb and ugly, I'm like, okay, mute, <laughs> moving on. I'm not going to cry about it. Right, know? right. And, you know, and we're going on this different path, but I also want to, you know, go back to what I was speaking about before. I want your opinion on what you think of like death and how you mm-hmm. deal with that and mortality. But, um, what was now I can as as I'm saying we're spry and we know everything we're doing and and, and now I can't remember sharp. where's my prevagen? <laughs> um, no, I do. I feel now more than ever I'm sort of really comfortable in my skin. And I was going to mention that I think I'm going to take a break from Twitter. I really Ooh, feel so like I'm going to scale back. Yes. Um, and listen, I've had kind of this love-hate relationship with Twitter. It certainly right. served me a purpose three years ago when I was trying to, you know, raise awareness to what was happening here in New York mm-hmm. during the pandemic. But I find every time I get on it now, it's just so, it's like this sewer. It's a dumpster fire. It really is. And people are so, I mean, almost bloodthirsty. They yes. They want to destroy other people. Yes. And like people always say, you know, if you take a minute and step back, like Twitter is not the real world. It's not. And there are millions of people in this country who aren't on it, don't look at it, don't have an account. They're living their lives. They're providing for their families. They're you know, like mm-hmm. they're going about their business. So um, I think it's good to get out of it sometimes. And I think you will really enjoy it. Sometimes I give myself like a set sabbatical, like whether it's for Lent or for something else. And I say like, okay, I'm out. And I feel so mentally good yes. when I'm away from it. Yep. You know, now something will always drag me back yeah. in. Mm-hmm. But I think having these set periods of being off of it is so good. Yeah. Well, it was my kids too. My kids and my husband, like, what are you doing, mom? You're always telling us to get off our devices. And I just, True. I don't want to be, I, they're right. I tell them you're right. You're absolutely yep. right. So the phone goes away. What did it's you addictive. give? What did you give up for Lent? 
Um, you know what I decided to do? Instead of giving up this year, I put together a list of memory verses that I wanted to memorize. Oh. Because, I mean, there are verses that I know from childhood, but sometimes, you know, they get a little rusty. And I thought, I want these so that when I think of them, I know where to find them and I know what they are. So for me, it was adding instead of subtracting. I love year. that. Give yeah. me an example. Okay, First um, Corinthians ten thirteen. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, and will with temptation make a way of escape. So for me, sometimes that's chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> it could be being dragged to my phone. Like there are all kinds of temptations around you, but I always think, okay, that verse is telling me God's going to give me a way out. So I just got to look for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe there's um, something productive I can do work-wise or call somebody who needs help or a friend I can check on. I mean, there's always something else you can do <laughs> to get away from the cookies or the Twitter. It's true. But the cookies are, g- I think the cookies- I mean, sometimes they are meant to be there. Absolutely. Especially Everything you- in moderation. When you have the dunky dunk part where you can I mean, put it in the icing sugar. You're full on. <laughs> okay. The dunky dunks. So I do. I want, because I think of it more often, maybe it's because we're coming up on an anniversary of the of the mm-hmm. deaths of, of people that we loved. I think of my own mortality uh, a lot. I mean, not in a bad way, but how do I look at it? How do you look at it? Yeah, I feel like um, one of the best books I ever read, our friend Molly Henneberg gave me this book years ago that her pastor's wife wrote. And it was kind of like the whole book is written from the experience of what do you want the end of your life to look like? What do you want it to mean? So live backwards from that Hmm. kind of, you know, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to leave behind? What kind of person do you want to be at the end of your life? And so live now to get yourself to that place. If you want to leave like a very faithful legacy, then, you know, be serving other people, be, you know, memorizing scripture, be, you know, looking for ways to be plugged into your church or to volunteer or whatever it is. Um, And so I think about you know, our time is really short. If you're like me, I mean, as a Christian, I believe that there is an eternity after this. And so what we're doing here on earth is so stinking short. So any frustrations or complications or problems, I mean, Christ said in the New Testament, John, I think 16, um, you will have trouble in this world, but take heart, I've overcome this world. So if you think that the long term of eternity in heaven with your loved ones, with God, you know, the the frustrations of this world kind of dim in comparison to that. Mm. And, you know, like based on my commute this morning, had to memorize and remember that. Like, I, I think that's a great, <laughs> you know, I, I love I'm that get plan. these people, but I got to behave myself and remember that this 20 minutes of not moving is fine compared to eternity. It's yes. not anything. Yes. I love that. I love that trying to build that now. Uh, yeah. Build backwards kind of. Yep. And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Tell me about your new book. This is a trilogy. Uh, It's called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Um, What inspired this one? You know, with the first two were very female focused, but there were always men in these stories, too. And I thought, you know, some of these are really beautiful relationship stories. So we thought about doing love stories and I said, okay, we got to include the messy ones, too, like Samson and Delilah, total disaster. Um, Because I always am like, we do these Bible stories. They're plenty messed up ones. So I always include those because I think, well, that should be encouraging to all of us because 
even in something as bad as that story in the very end, Samuel or Samson goes back to God and it's like, please, you know, visit on me one more time. And God hears him and is faithful and shows up. So, you know, even the bad ones can work out. So, but they're beautiful ones. Like even if you think of the original story of Adam and Eve and what God planned for them to be together and how they would help each other and compliment each other. And um, they're just, there's beautiful stories about widowhood, being redeemed and having a second chance at love. But I said, I want to do friendships too, because that's a very important love that sometimes, you know, like there are bridal magazines out there. There's no friendship magazine, but really your friends are the ones that are kind of like the whole glue of your life. Yes. That that network of people like you who in really joyful things we can celebrate together and really tough things we can cry together. So I said, let's do, you know, not only romance, but let's do friendship too. And the thing is, I mean, the Bible calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So that's strangers, too. I mean, God has perfect love. He pours over us. But he wants us then to make our best efforts to get our relationships right and to work on them. And sometimes they really are work. I think anybody who's been married for longer than five minutes, I always say, like, just have a counselor on speed dial. Like, <laughs> yes, you're crazy about each other. Yes, you love each other. But you have to work through things. Yes. And friendships are that way, too. Mm-hmm. That's true. I like that. I like that idea of they have bridal magazines, but they should have friendship Where's magazines. Our Friendship Magazine. We're going to get one. It's called Dunky Dunks by Janice Dean and Shannon Frame. Listen, magazine publishers call our people. Because you would like our, like, how to host the best slumber party, all the stuff. We could do it. There is some, I mean. Imagine the articles. I, well, you always say that we might have to have bail money at some point. <laughs> right. <laughs> we could, like, have ads in the back for bail bondsmen for different cities. So the people who read our magazine and get in trouble will know how to get out. Where was it when we went into that um, that water oh, fountain? Or where was oh, yeah. that? Well, I, on Capitol Hill, there, there are various water fountains. They really prefer that you not get into them. Um, but there may be some photographic evidence to the contrary for Dean and Bream. Um, there was not an official arrest. I would like to point out at that moment, but maybe some cautioning. It's. I think now more than ever, too, I look back on how important friendships were, you know, when we were in school um, and the enduring friendships that we have. Like I, I have a girlfriend that I've been friends with since high school and we're, yes. we're planning a trip together. But the, it is so important to have that mm-hmm. and, and cultivate that and nurture that. It is. And you know what it takes is vulnerability, Hmm. which a lot of us are uncomfortable with, especially now because, and I feel for kids, especially kids your age, like everything they see is people on social media who's, you know, it's their best picture, it's their best vacation, it's their best new present or whatever it is. Um, And I think it makes it harder sometimes to say like, hey, my life's not going great right now or, you know, things are imperfect. But I think the strongest friendships are where you're vulnerable, where you've seen each other kind of fall apart. You've shared the truth about I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling in my health, my finances, my job, whatever. Um, The more vulnerable we are, I think, the more honest our friendships are and the deeper our friendships are. And I write in Love Stories of the Bible speak about Job because everybody, even if you're not a person of faith, like you get, you know, the story of Job and his immense suffering and all that he went through and losing his, you know, all of his children in one day, losing all of his earthly goods the things that would have made him successful, his livestock, his, his possessions, um, and then his health. I mean, he was falling apart. And so his three friends decide to come see him. And as they're getting close to him, they see what a shell he is, how devastated he is and they begin weeping and all of the you know things about mourning as they show up 
they get there to him and for seven days nobody says anything they just sit there for seven days and he's weeping and they're weeping it's like there's no conversation necessary and Mm. i think sometimes i i think about this like when somebody's had a tragedy they're in a bad place sometimes we worry oh no, I'm going to say the wrong thing or it's going to come out wrong or this is awkward or I'm going to offend them. You know what I mean? Like you worry. But honestly, I think most people don't remember what you said. They'll remember if you showed up or Mm. if you called or if you sent over a meal or whatever you feel like you can do to speak into their lives. I mean, Job's friend sat there for a week and didn't say anything just to be with him in his grief. So I think friendship is a lot of that. It's just showing up. Showing up. It's just being there and whatever that person needs in that moment that's what you try to be. Mm-hmm. I love that. Fox News Sunday, it's going great. What are Woo! some of your favorite um, interviews or moments so far? You know what? Um, gosh, we've had so many fun things already in the first few months. We've tried to do different things like have athletes and singers and creative people, you know, for our sort of special feature pieces. Those have been fun. Um but the heart of the show is always going to be, you know, pretty hardcore political stuff. So um, I really enjoy when Jared Bernstein comes on from the White House to talk economics. Um, I always do a really deep dive on these topics. I really enjoy it. But he and I have had some fun back and forth. Um, and he's always a good sparring partner. Like he's willing to come whether the news is good or bad and have a good, honest conversation with us. I mean, I think there are people on um, Capitol Hill that are always fun to talk to and former people, too, I, you know, to have, um, you know, like Mike Pompeo or Mike Pence, people who can speak a little bit more freely about their time in the last administration now that they're out doing their own thing. Um, but, you know, like, you know, Senator Lindsey Graham, Senator John Kennedy, they're always going to tear it up and and have their one liners. Um, but Senator Mark Warner, who's the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, I mean, very serious guy, also willing to come on and, um, you know, have bipartisan conversations. I really appreciate that about these members. So um, it's been a lot of fun. And the the fun thing is, like, for our little feature pieces that we do every couple weeks, um, I'm getting to do things with a lot of people I admire, like musicians and authors and um People that I just it's it's a a treat to get to talk to them about um, what goes on in their lives and um, to use my show as an excuse to do it. I love that. (laughs) You're putting your little Shannon Bream mark on that. Yeah, I think it's important because we are bombarded with politics. It's nice to kind of take a breath a little bit. It is. And I think people need um, to see that there can be bipartisanship. There's something really cool that we've shot. I'm not sure when it's going to air, but it's two members on Capitol Hill, two senators from opposite sides of the aisle who are in Bible study together. And I'm like, this is such a weird, unheard of story that they have these Bible studies and stuff. And these people do not vote together. I can tell you on very many important things they're going to be voting on the opposite sides of the aisle listen they then this they have a common thread in that like we should be doing good for people we should be trying to make things better we should be serving people like that's definitely their faith base that comes in they just see different ways about getting it done but they can have difficult conversations um and share this faith-based conversation so i'm really excited for people to see that one too oh i think that's so great i mean i wish there was more of that are we just not seeing that behind the scenes yeah, it, it does quietly happen. That's why when I heard about this one, I was like, wait a minute, I got to get two people from this Bible study to sit down 
and talk to us from opposite sides of the aisle. And um, they were both absolutely willing to do it, which was so fun because to get any two members together who, um, you know, it's very heated and broken sort of on Capitol Hill right now. So to get people together from opposite sides of the aisle who never <laughs> vote the same on anything big, to come sit down and say, like, we actually care about each other. And we actually can have meaningful conversations. I think people need to see that because I think most people think, and rightly so in many cases, that Washington is broken. You know the polling. People are like, this country is, we're at each other's throats. And, you know, it's not like we've never been there before. Things do go in cycles. But I think anytime we can show them a little bit of hope and like, hey, this is where people are actually treating each other like human beings with their respect, having difficult conversations. I think people need to see more of that. Yeah. I mean, should we touch upon what's happening with the indictment stuff? I feel oh like... Oh, my goodness. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it is the news. It is the news. Um, I This is where I'm glad I went to law school. <laughs> Practice for a little bit. It yes. does help. Uh-huh. Um, but the thing is, it's interesting to me that I, um, in last week... Palm Sunday week, I was getting ready for the show and the indictment had just broken. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, where are there people out there? You know, we're always trying to get from all sides of an issue. So I I dig around and hours I'm spending trying to find people defending the indictment. Now, we didn't know at that point what what was in it. We thought we knew, which is what it turns out to be. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, where are the law professors and the attorneys and people out there? And there were a few voices here and there. But I'd say like 90% of what I found was people who are far left progressive, middle center, far right conservative, all saying they think this Alvin Bragg thing is political. Ugh. And why is he not putting away murderers and rapists? Yes. You know, So it was funny because there was very little material or voice out there to support what he was doing on the merits, like as a legal matter. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be interesting to see what a jury thinks, because, you know, they have options here. You can't. Trump's defense team could ask for a bench trial, which is just where you don't go to a jury. You just present the whole thing and have the judge decide. Oh, um, so I almost think that might be a, a better route for them. But when the former president is out there tweeting in all caps, not <laughs> tweeting, but on his platform, yes. to social in all caps, this judge hates me. Like, OK, <laughs> that, that might make this judge less open to hearing. No, I think judges can be objective, but um you know, so the bench trial is an option because you never know with a jury. I think juries are much less predictable. And if it's a jury in Manhattan, yeah. listen, you and I both know being there, there are a lot of Trump fans in Manhattan. People think like, oh, it's New York City. They all hate him. No, there are actually a lot of people there who maybe not a lot of people. There are there's a significant group of people in Manhattan who think, you know, he did some good things in New York. He got the ice rink done. He's brash, but that's what we are as New Yorkers. I mean, there are people there who um, are fans of his. Now, the majority of the people there, the vast majority, did not vote for him. But, you know, you always take a chance with the jury. You got to get a unanimous jury to convict on this. I'm not sure if Alvin Bragg is going to do that. Um, but maybe they do the bench trial where they just take it to a judge. What's the timeline on that? Probably a year. I mean, it's crazy that the next court appearance they have scheduled for the president is December 4th. What? It's April. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there'll be all kinds of pretrial maneuvering and motions. But, you know, to get to a trial takes forever. Oh, my gosh. So he's probably going to be if this thing gets to trial. And I do think there are a lot of legit pretrial motions that could possibly keep this thing from getting to trial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to be in 2024 if he's the nominee or if he's still campaigning, you know, in the primaries, he's going to be in the middle of running for president and also be in the middle potentially of a criminal trial you can't make this up 
I know. I mean, listen, we thought four or five years ago, like, wow, this is a whole new world and the tweets and everything's so different and upending the norms. Every day, I'm just like, okay, nothing can surprise us from here on out. I even, well, and Democrats have said, too, openly that Alvin Bragg has to have this buttoned up because this mm-hmm. is going to hurt him if 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 he doesn't, you know, produce results. Yeah. And the crazy thing is everybody's looking, you know, the the reverse psychology of the whole thing. I mean, you've got people like Joy Behar over on The View saying, oh, Democrats absolutely want Trump to be the nominee because they think he's going to be the easiest to beat. They don't want to go up against a DeSantis or a Pompeo or Nikki Haley or whoever. They want Trump. So, you know, are they pushing him to win the nomination this way? Because what happened? Mm. Every single person who's running or could run for the GOP had to immediately come out and say, this is a travesty. This is a political prosecution. This is, you know, like they had to run to the former president's defense. And so the polling all shows us like he's miles ahead of everybody else. And now <laughs> this indictment is forcing all of his competitors to go, you know, defend him. It's like the best case scenario for him. Yeah. If you have to deal with something like this, I mean, the political payoff for him could be substantial. But does he then skate to the nomination in the GOP because he's so propelled forward by, you know, they're after me, the deep state's after me. All of these things I've already told I've always told you are true. That's, you know, obviously going to be his argument. But then what happens in the general? Because he's going to have to deal with conversations about January 6th. There could be other indictments. There could be Georgia. There could be federal indictments. So. Um, I think there's just a huge section of the GOP that's willing to roll their dice because they're like, this guy is a fighter. He's fighting for us. We haven't seen anybody else do it at that level. And so we're just going to go with that guy. So it'll be interesting to see if it changes, if DeSantis officially gets in or others. It's not boring. No. Keeps us busy. (laughs) Gives us something to do because, you know, we have nothing to do. So, um It definitely keeps us busy. Well, in our spare time, Shannon and I will be uh, going to dance parties with our donkey dunks. (laughs) Yep, exactly. In our PJs. (laughs) I love you, my friend. Congratulations on the new book. It's available now. Uh, The title is The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. I'm so proud of you. Uh, I love our conversations. I can't wait to see you in person. And um, happy Easter, my friend. And to you, too. And I'll be praying extra for you guys. I know it's a difficult time for you and many others, um, but there's hope in this day. So I love you and I'll see you soon. Thank you, my friend. God bless. Thank you, Shannon, for spending some time with us today, this Easter Sunday on the Janice Dean podcast. Of course, you can catch Shannon every weekend on Fox News Sunday and through the week as our chief legal correspondent. Her new book called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, available in stores everywhere. And I look forward to seeing Shannon in the next couple of weeks when I visit her in Washington, D.C. And we will be sure to post all of our adventures on social media. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.
Kudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Kudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.